And he takes a knee and the New York Giants are the Super Bowl 42 champions. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. They knock off the mighty Patriots 17 to 14. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, 102, McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. Obviously not to beat a dead horse, but a lot of conversation about the overtime rules. And there was just one aspect of it I wanted to get back into, because whether or not, you know, to get back to the Super Bowl, which the more I get away from it, and I watched a little bit more of it today, I went back and watched, you know, a lot of the second half. It really, it really is one of the more, you know, it, it had two different tones to it. Like early on, it was a bit of a snooze fest and everybody was complaining about it. And it was these two teams and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the greatness that's what they've become now, winning three championships in the last five years and being to four in the last five years. And clearly how good the roster is for the 49ers. And while there wasn't a lot of juice to the game necessarily, I think everybody knew that there was a very good chance of the game being excellent. And early on, it felt like, oh, my, you know, 10-3, Chiefs really can't do anything. It's a bit of a snooze fest. The, you know, they should be a morph, not for some turnovers. But ultimately, I think it goes down as one of the more, you know, one of the better, more memorable Super Bowls in a while. Like, I just, I thought it actually, obviously, anytime you go to overtime, what else could you ask for? The game might not have been played very well the entire game, but... Down the stretch, they're going back and forth, up and down the field. It goes to overtime. There's the the intriguing decisions on what should be done, whether or not the Niners and Niners knew the rules of overtime, which let me get to a couple points of these rules that I didn't really get into last night, you know, being right after the game and now having more time to marinate on it and listen to different people talk and think about uh, listen to a lot of the post-game sound, listen to different things. Um, one aspect that's making its rounds and becoming a big story is whether or not, you know, obviously they didn't, how how coached up the Chiefs were on the overtime rules and how unaware the 49ers were of, over the overtime rules. And let's just, let me just say this. One, it's clearly better to be coached up on the situation. It's clearly better if the players are aware of what the rules are and what's going on. And they absolutely should be. And the idea that the 49ers, so many of the 49ers, were unaware that the rules had even changed and they didn't realize that if they went down and scored a touchdown, they still wouldn't have won the football game is an indictment on Shanahan on some level. But I do think it's being overblown. Because here's the point of the matter. And I and I, I understand you know, the players should know, but it's about the coaches. Like Shanahan has to know the rules back and forth. And Shanahan has to know what he's going to do in any given situation. He has to prepare for that. The players need to go on the field and perform. That's it. They don't have to know whether to take the ball or kick the ball. They don't have to know if they score a touchdown, whether the, it's it's you know the end of the game or not. They they don't. Like they'll get the play call. They need to you know. I mean, on some level, I suppose down at the end of the game. But for the most part, no. Like, they go out there, they play football. They try and get into the end zone every position, on every possession. I don't think it's that big a deal that Shanahan, it doesn't make Andy Reid the brilliant coach who's who's really smart 
who, who coached them up for two weeks on all the different scenarios of overtime. Who, I mean, it's go out there and play and be prepared to make plays and be prepared for what the defense is going to give you, what the other offense is going to give you. You don't have to know as a player every in and out of, of different rules. You have to know the rules on the field and what you could be penalized for or what to be heads up on or, you know, like a, um, a punt returner knowing that if he touches the ball while one foot's out of bounds, it's automatically, you know, a kick returner who does that knows they get the ball at the 40 and it's a penalty. Like, you have to be heads up and aware of all the rules on the field, but on whether or not they're going to kick it or not or what the scenario is in overtime, like, I don't think it's that big a deal that they didn't spend the two weeks Andy Reid did on coaching up their players. And one, I think the the Kansas City Chiefs are more focused on it because the rule was changed because of them and their game against Buffalo. Like, that's the main reason for the rule change, so they're more aware of it. You even saw it in the postgame that Patrick Mahomes said in the postgame, well, we could beat you at this. Oh, you know, last time it was a problem when we won. Now let's see what they do this time. Like, they're aware of the idea that it changed because of how they played the game and how dangerous Patrick Mahomes is. And how they they felt they're too reliant on the uh, coin flip in overtime that this, something has to change. And so I, that's the one angle of it that I didn't get too much into last night. Despite you know I I think on the decision I think you kick it. I, I do. I think that I go with the mo- the prevailing wisdom of of giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes to start. Because I don't want him, and Patrick Mahomes even said it, like we knew what we had to do. I don't want to give Patrick Mahomes fourth down. And you saw him get beat. Like that's more, I understand the idea. You know, it's one thing to say you'd go for two. I think most people expect Andy Reid to go for two. That's what he said. But I understand the thought of, hey, if we're tied, if I score first, then they score, and we're tied, I get the ball in sudden death. I do understand that logic on some level. I'm not sure they would have, and clearly, if you listen to Andy Reid, they would have never got that third opportunity because the, the the Chiefs would have gone for it on, third, on, fourth, uh, on the two-point conversion. But I do understand the logic a little bit. But to me, it, it, giving Patrick Mahomes fourth down for an entire drive makes no sense to me. That's what I don't like. I, I, that to me, that's the most valuable because fourth and one. Who knows? What if they What if they kick that field goal? What if they punt the football there? Because you know it's not worth it to them in that moment when the game's still tied down. They have no choice but to go for it. That's my main reason. Everything else, you, all the other talking points you can give me. There are some that are good. There are some I disagree with. For me, I do not want Patrick Mahomes to know what he has to get and give him fourth down. And then if I kick the field goal, and that's why I disagree. Also, I would have. And I heard Nick Costos talking about this. I would have went. I would have tried to score the touchdown in overtime and not kick the field goal. And I disagree with him that, you know, a lot of people think, see, and they went for it. They threw the football there instead of. You know, I run the football knowing I have a fourth down. Like, I don't, I run. It's what is it? Third. It's third and four or something. I run the football, see what I can get with McCaffrey, and then if I can run it again, if I'm only a yard back or a half a yard back, or then if I know I have to throw it, I have to throw it, but. I go for it on fourth down because I am, and then like if you get if you leave it there, like to me it was a no brainer on 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 to go for it on fourth down at the end of the game there in overtime, because even if you don't get it now you've left them right at the goal line, and they don't have to go for it on fourth down anymore. I've taken the fourth down out of Patrick Mahomes' hands now because they'll kick it. So I've I've left them at the goal line and making them go ninety nine yards, ninety five yards, whatever it is. To only get into field goal range, I get it. And field goal beats me there. I get it. 
But I, I, I'm assuming Patrick Mahomes is going to go down there and stick it in the end zone anyway. And now at this point, at least I get one penalty. I get one holding call. I get one, you know, false start. Maybe I push them back and they have a fourth and short where I know they're going for it if I have a score and I know they're not going for it if the score is tied. So like for me, it's, it's the opportunity to score a touchdown and make them come down to tie you. And then the idea where you're giving them the ball up against the goal line with the idea where there is no more fourth down. So I like going for it there and trying to stick it in the end zone instead of taking the field goal. But whatever the case may be, the real problem I have with with the rules, as I start to really think about it, is what Tiki said today. The clock not having anything to do with it makes no sense. I hate the idea that they could have finished that, that overtime period. That double overtime, the idea that double overtime could have started with San Francisco in the lead makes no sense to me. How does double overtime start where one team has the lead? I understand you want to give them the entire possession. And I understand the argument of, well, if the first team gets the ball and then they just, you know, run the clock out and kick. Yeah, if you can run the if that's that's the the one benefit you get from winning the toss. What can you do? You can't take away the idea that there's a period you're playing and at the end of that period, if someone has the lead, that's the end of the game. There's no urgency there. Why even have a clock? Just have two possessions and then start a clock. If you're going to start a clock, it has to mean something. You can't have a clock ticking and it be completely pointless. There's no reason. If, if there's no reason for a clock, why are you showing it to me? Like, that's what I don't get. If it's just two possessions, don't put a clock up there. That's fine. But if you're going to put a clock, the clock has to mean something. The idea that the Chiefs were, you know, I, I was screaming at the television. The clock's ticking away, and they're like, lackadaisically getting to the line. I'm like, nobody's going to call it. And then I didn't know the rule. I'll be first to me. I didn't know the rule. I'm screaming at the television. I'm assuming that if the period ends and it's, you know, a three-point lead for San Francisco, the game's over, which is what it should be. And the idea that the clock is meaningless makes no sense whatsoever. Don't have a clock up there. Say it's two possessions, and then we start a clock. And then even then, it's sudden death. What's the point of a clock? Just play. It's 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 overtime. That's it. It's overtime. We each have possession, and then the next person to score after that. What do you even need a clock for? It makes no sense to me. You got to put some urgency. You got to you know throw the ball out of bounds. You know and try and stop the clock. Time out. Spike the ball. So like there has to be that kind of urgency at the end of a, a quarter. Otherwise, it's not football anymore. That's that's the one part of this that bothered me. The other parts are just talking points. But another talking point coming out of this is how great Andy Reid is, and the Chiefs are. And I love Andy Reid. I'll be the first to tell you, I think Andy Reid's a great head coach. Andy Reid is a terrific head coach. But as I take call after call, every time, you know, during this coaching carousel, we like to call it, you get a lot of Belichick hate, which I was unaware of. I don't know if it's bitter Jet fans or just, you know, you know, he was with the Giants for a long time. I know the Giants beat him uh, with Tom Brady. But it feels like Bill Belichick and his lack of success is is held against him outside of Tom Brady is held against him at a regard that really doesn't seem to carry around Andy Reid. Now, Andy Reid had more success and more playoff appearances and more championship games, but, I mean, the choke jobs that he allowed Marcus Mariota to come down the field and beat him after having a huge lead against Tennessee. He lost 
you know, huge games. He's got a huge lead to the Colts with the Chiefs and blows it. I mean, you know, with 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 Donovan McNabb and Philadelphia, he lost in every big spot. I mean, that was the moniker. He couldn't get over the hump. He was Shanahan. He couldn't win a championship. He couldn't win an NFC title game. Then he finally got there. His quarterback's throwing up in the huddle. Can't win a Super Bowl. Then he comes to Kansas City again, turns the franchise around. They start winning. But Alex Smith is there already. I mean, he won with Donovan McNabb. He won with Alex Smith. Show me another quarterback that 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 um, Bill Belichick had that is anywhere near as good as those two quarterbacks. But he's got Alex Smith. And they blow huge leads to Andrew Luck and the Colts. They blow leads to Marcus Mariota and the Tennessee Titans. Like, he was the he was a choker and a guy who couldn't win the big one until, of course, the great Patrick Mahomes showed up. And to me, he's a perfect example. And they were putting up a I saw a thing on Twitter. They were putting up a bunch of clips of people's reactions to Kansas City jumping up and taking Patrick Mahomes. And it's well, this roster they've already they already have Alex Smith. This roster is filled with holes. Why don't you want to fill the holes first? It doesn't matter if you can't win with Alex Smith. Why well, you know the team's just not good enough. And to take draft picks and trade them away so you could take a quarterback from the Big Ten, blah blah blah. blah, blah. And you know the, the this is you know the, the they have a quarterback already and put things around him and they can win. He's proven it. Doesn't that sound familiar? It sounds like a certain New York team. That thinks that a lot of the fan base thinks they have a quarterback who can win. You got to put pieces around them, and they're not ready for a quarterback. And you have to draft this, and you have to draft that, and you have to make sure the offensive line is great. You have to make sure this is great. You have to make sure that is great. Quarterbacks, and and again, the dichotomy of the two teams too, because Brock Purdy is tremendous, right? Brock Purdy's Mister Irrelevant. He comes in, he steps into this great. Roster and he steps in with the, this this innovative offensive head coach, and sure, look what he can do. Look what he can do and take this great roster that they've managed to build with all these first round picks on the defensive front. They built this great offensive line. They have Debo Samuel. They have Christian McCaffrey. They got Ayuk. They've got Kittle. They've got a legitimately great defense. They've got all these pieces. They're perfect. And once you build that up, you could put a Brock Purdy back there and take him to a championship game, and no further. Because ultimately, when you come across, and we'll see if they can win a championship, but you tell me what's easier. Is it easier to trade up and draft the quarterback, or is it easier to put together a great enough team where you can put in a Brock Purdy, who I think is better than I'm giving him credit for this specific argument, but you could put in a quarterback around a great roster and get to the Super Bowl. What do you think is easier? And then when you do that and ask yourself what's easier, ask yourself what's more successful. Because right now you can talk about the great roster that is the San Francisco 49ers, and they were. And they gave Patrick Mahomes all kinds of trouble in the first half. And Chase Young, who they traded for, top pick in the draft. Um, obviously, Bosa, top, you know, one of the top picks in the draft. And they were able to get after him and make life difficult for him. They scored three points in the first half. And then what happens in the second half of the game? He breaks your heart because he is a killer and he is the best player in the in the league and to have a quarterback who's that good who's a stud quarterback changes who you are it changed the chiefs from a very nice team that could make the playoffs with Alex Smith and then blow lead after blow lead and it changed Andy Reid from a coach who can't get over the big one and can't figure out a way to win in the playoffs and chokes away big lead after big lead 
and lost more NFC Championship games than you can count into one of the great head coaches in the history of the NFL. He's won three championships. He's he, If he stays over the next three or four years, he could break Shula's record. He's one of the great coaches in the history of the sport. That's, that's how much Patrick Mahomes has shaped the narrative of almost anyone who comes into contact with him. That's what a Patrick Mahomes can do. Now, is it easy to find the Patrick Mahomes of the world? Is it easy to find the Tom Brady of the world? No, it's not. But these young, great quarterbacks, it is better to have the great quarterback than to have the great roster, and the Super Bowl proved it again. And for New York Giant fans who think that they're not in position to draft a great quarterback or they're better served filling this hole and filling that hole and trying to come up with a better roster. And, you know, they have Daniel Jones, who's a proven has won a playoff game. Alex Smith won playoff games. Donovan McNabb won playoff games. They couldn't get one of the great head coaches in the NFL over the hump. And now Patrick Mahomes wins him a championship every other damn year. Like, you need the great quarterback in this league. It's a proven reg. And now you're proving that you can do it with a, a big contract, too. Like, I talk about getting the young quarterback and having him on the rookie contract and be able to spend money and put it here and put it there. Patrick Mahomes was $37 million against the cap. They had zero wide receiving core. I mean, zero. McCole Hardman, you know, was not good enough to play for the Jets, but he can catch touchdown passes with the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're picking people off the scrap. It's Rice, it's Hardman, it's nobody else. Right? He's got a Hall of Fame tight end, no doubt about it, but he loses his best offensive lineman. He really has no wide receiving core. Pacheco's a late draft pick. After Edwards uh, Hilaire is not what they thought he was. That roster isn't anywhere near as good as either the Baltimore Ravens roster or the San Francisco 49ers roster. And yet, it's the great quarterback holding the trophy. And for all the, oh, you know, you could draft this. When's the last time the Giants won? When they took the first overall pick in Eli Manning. It's time to do so again for the New York Giants. Go out there and take a quarterback and change the freaking team. Filling it up with linebackers and defensive backs and offensive linemen and wide receivers, it should be nice. It doesn't change the team. It doesn't win for you the same way getting a great quarterback does. 877-337-6666. Tom and Hackensack, I see you. We're going to come back, take some phone calls, get you through the rest of your morning all the way to 5 o'clock. Stay safe out there. I don't know when the snow's going to start. I'm going to have to head home in it. What are you laughing at me for? We're in the studio. There's a window behind you. You can find out. I guess that's true, but it's, it's, it's a hard angle. We're up in a top building. I can't tell. There's no lights. Does it look We're like it's closer to, to the sky. I understand that, but if the sky is dark, it's hard to see. All right, you're From right. From where I'm sitting, it does not look like it's snowing No, yet. I see, but are you sure? Are you sure? Because it My look- phone app says it's not <laughs> snowing yet. So. Well, there you go. It doesn't look like it's snowing, but I don't know. And plus, are, is everyone outside the window? I'm talking to people all over the tri-state area. It may be snowing by you. It's not snowing by us. So be safe out there. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's just... I thought we were kind of, I know it's only February, so it's hard to say I thought we were through it, but we had like a 50, 60-degree day on Saturday. The weekend before was gorgeous as well. I was out with the kids. Now all of a sudden we're going to be dealing with 5, 6, 8, 10, 12 inches of snow. Who needs it? Not now. Snow is December and January. Once I get past January, 
I no longer want snow. Even if we didn't get much, I don't want it anymore. I'm done with the storms. And I'm done with getting the news, the, the storm updates, too. I'm not like Paul Rosenberg on the other side. I don't care about weather updates. It's, it's, I don't find it nearly as interesting as everybody else does. I'll deal with it. I'll get in my car. I'll drive. If it's bad, I'll pull over. I don't know. Figure it out. But stay, face, stay safe out there. 877-337-6666. Everyone's giving me looks. What did I say? Did I say something stupid? No, Marco came in and asked about uh, a cut that he's putting together. Oh, okay. I'm wondering if something has to get bleeped. Oh, okay. But you turned and looked at me, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you were laughing at me. Now you're laughing at me. I'm feeling like I'm I turned laughing. and looked because it sounded like you were about to throw to the break, so I was getting ready. I'm about to throw to the break right now, 877-337-6666. McMonagle with you till 5 right here on The Fan. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Testaverde will take the snap, go to one knee. This game is over. The Jets lock up their first playoff appearance since 1991. On a 21-16 victory over the Miami Dolphins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Yeah. I bet the Chiefs are glad they didn't build around Alex Smith. I bet the Chiefs are glad they didn't build around Alex Smith and fill this spot and fill that spot. Went out and got the quarterback. They got, listen, they got luckier than most. They got luckier than all that they were right. But that's, here's my point. Here's my point. Because I, I I didn't read the whole thing, but someone uh, sent me a private message about my logic with Mahomes and how it's off. Here's my point. Not that there's another Mahomes out there or that they'll find Mahomes. I, I, that's, that's, that is difficult. It's almost as difficult. Now, he's special. No doubt about it. But my point is, is you can be right on everything. You can be right on everything else. You can draft the right running back. You can draft the right wide receivers. You can draft the right tight end. You can draft the right offensive linemen. You can draft the right linebackers. You can draft the right, the right defensive backs. You can draft the right punter. You can draft the right everything. Now, one, it's very difficult to do that as we see. You know, you're not always going to be right on these draft picks, but you can draft all of them correctly and you won't impact the game as much as you will if you draft the quarterback correctly. I'd rather take my chance, especially when I'm at the top of the draft with that first, with the sixth overall pick. I would rather take my chance and hope that I got a franchise quarterback with the real unbelievable hope that he's Patrick Mahomes or something like it. Right, because you look, who wins these Super Bowls? Who wins them? Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Eli Manning. But, I mean, in most most recent, like, who wins these Super Bowls? The, the, the top of the top quarterbacks in the league. That's who wins them. And that's who's consistently in the playoffs that's who consistently is playing in these games. Lamar Jackson. I know he's failed in the postseason a lot, but you know, Lamar Jackson's in the championship game. Burrow in his brief career is in the championship game. Mahomes, Stafford just got to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady. These are the guys who win the Super Bowls. It's not the team that's best player, is there? It's it's not the team that's best player is McCaffrey. 
right? They haven't won. And he's the one, you know, guiding light. And they've they've completely built this unbelievable roster. But uh, that's pretty hard to do. It's harder to do than just go out and get the right quarterback. You've seen that in you've seen that in Houston, with you know obviously what they're what they're doing there. With uh, Stroud, it changes the franchise. And as I sit here and I watch Patrick Mahomes win another Super Bowl, and I'm watching what I watch inside the NFL week in and week out, I know it's not Daniel Jones. And even if they they build around Daniel Jones and make make the team better and give him a chance. There is a ceiling on where Daniel Jones can take them. We've seen it. Plus, he's injury prone. I want to take the chance. I want to dream the dream. And that involves drafting a quarterback. Tom and Hackensack. What's up, Tom? Hey, Chris. First time calling your show. Oh, thank you, buddy. What do you got? Uh, I'm a Steeler fan, so I don't have a skin in the game of the Super Bowl. But... Um, when Shanahan messed up the coin toss or, or you know, selecting to not kick the ball, mm-hmm. he put himself in a box that there was no way out. Because on fourth and three, if he decides to go for seven and doesn't get it, yeah, all all he's got to do is go fifty yards and change and kick a field goal that Butker kicks from anywhere, right? And then everybody would have been roasting him for going on fourth down. True. So. You know, that's it, not it was that's, a situation that he bought himself into. That's that's totally fair. I I'm just telling what I I'm not I I completely agree with you. There would have been a million people. Listen, you lose the game, you're going to get criticized. That's how that's how it goes. You blow a ten point lead, even if that ten point lead was early on. They're dominating the football game. They should have been up by more. He blows a ten point lead. However, he lost that game. He was going to get criticized. Uh, but for I, me, I, I would rather take the chance that I I'd I don't I don't think I can keep Patrick Mahomes out of the end zone. I don't. I don't think I can keep him out of the end zone. I'm. I. But he, but I'm, he only put it in the end zone one time the whole game. So doesn't matter. In that it. moment, I I know what Patrick Mahomes is going to do. In that moment, I know what he's going to do. I and especially if I give him four downs, like he's also he's got you. You're forgetting that he's got the benefit of having four downs on every single you, on every single opportunity. Would you throw any um, concession into the fact that? There hasn't been a whole lot of experience with this situation, with the overtime like this is in a do or die game. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, listen, I, like- I, I'm not one. I'm not killing him for the decision. Here's here's the difference with me. Like, I'm not killing him for taking the ball. I think there is an argument to be made. Beach, Beach, BT tried to make it today in the clip I saw uh, about wanting to get the ball, stick it in the end zone, and, and then I'm not giving. Um, I'm not giving Mahomes an opportunity to go down the field right away and give me a touchdown. Plus, I might get the ball back if they don't go for two, blah, 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 blah. Like, I I, I think it's a debatable call. And you're right. There hasn't been uh, a lot of experience with this new overtime rule. I, I'm open it to him. Good. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, when the two-point conversion came around. Yeah. Not a lot of people knew what to do with it. And then all of a sudden, the season into it, then they had this graph of when to go for it, yeah. when not to go for it. Well, I think conventional, I think con- I think conventional wisdom wisdom says give the kick the ball. That's the conventional Correct. wisdom is be the second team. That gives you better. It gives you that's what the college when you both get. I know college is a little bit different. You start at the in field goal range and all that, but typically knowing you both are guaranteed the ball in college, most teams elect to go second because you know what you have to get, uh, and that's the benefit of it. And then you give Patrick Mahomes the opportunity for fourth down. I like again. 
you're giving him the extra down where you're not even throwing the punt into consideration. If he has the ball first and it's fourth and three, he might not go for it. They might punt it thinking, oh, if we don't get it here, it's an easy field goal to win. Like, I don't want, I want to make, I want to eliminate the idea that he's guaranteed four downs on every single drive, like on every single situation that arises. I don't want to do that. He's too dangerous to give him that extra play. That's the main reason I don't want to keep the ball. I want to kick it. But I'm open to what you're saying. I have no problem with the idea that it's new. You can make an argument. I don't think it's a tro- I don't think it's an atrocious decision that causes the team the football game. I don't. Many people do. I don't. I disagree with it, but I understand the other side of it on some level. I, I, I'm not going to kill him for that, and I'm not going to really kill him for anything he did. I'm not going to kill him for kicking the field goal either. But for me, to me, and thank you for the call, Tom. When you are down that close to the end zone there, and I know what Patrick Mahomes is, and Patrick Mahomes is a killer. Patrick Mahomes, I don't care what happened the entire rest of the game uh, earlier. I don't care how the entire game went. I don't care how the offense was playing. And in this case, the offense, from the minute that punt was fumbled or hit off the ankle and they received that, they got that fumble and they put it in the end zone in one play. From that moment on, Patrick Mahomes pretty much went up and down the field. And that was the feeling in that game. And I wasn't going to let him beat me with a touchdown. In my mind, in that scenario, whether I give it to them first or whether I have it, I am not putting Patrick Mahomes in a situation where where he puts the ball in the end zone and wins the game. That's what I don't want to do. And that's why I, you know, I, I think giving the ball second helps me with that as well. The last thing I want is the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands with a chance to put it in the end zone and win the game. Right now, I know in my scenario, I'm possibly putting the ball in his hands where a field goal wins the game, but I, I, I just I'm too afraid that the field goal is not good enough. I need the touchdown. I'll take my chances that I stop him going 50 yards as opposed to stop, you know 60 yards as opposed to stopping him going 90. You know what I'm saying? Like so, for me, when I'm that close to the end zone, and it's third and short, I want to get in the. I'm running the football on third down. I'm running the football on third down. I'm seeing how close I get on fourth down, and then I'm considering it. Now, if I lose yards on the run play, then I kick it, right? I, I guess. on so I, I'm still – it depends on how many yards I lost, but I still probably want to go for it. I want to put the ball in the end zone. If I know I'm taking the ball first, in my mind, I'm putting the ball in the end zone, and I'm not settling for field goals. That's just how I'm treating it because I know what Patrick Mahomes does, especially given fourth down. I know what he does. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. And we saw what happened. That's what that's what scares me. The guy is he is he is the greatest player in the NFL. And I don't care what happened before, he's going to find a way to beat you and he if he has to use his legs, which he clearly did on that drive to win the game. Multiple plays of over 15 yards on the ground with his legs, and including the fourth and one. He's dangerous in every way. He's not Lamar with his legs, but he can get you 20 yards. Like, he's able to run. He can throw on the – he's just too freaking good. He's too freaking good. And to, and especially to go along with Andy Reid's offense, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And, again, I talked about this a lot last night, the, the Spags element. I mean, I I'd have to really go through it. And look at, you know, my buddy Ryan had a career, but he had the one year with the with the 85 Bears. Like, you'd have to really go through it, but 
in my knowledge of football, which I agree is not, you know, comparable to some others, but it's, you know, fairly good. At least I like to think so. I can't think of it. He's, to me, the best defensive coordinator that I've ever seen. To me, if I'm listing defensive coordinators, Spagnuolo's number one. The thing about the big games he's won. Think about who he's beaten. He beat the undefeated Patriots with that Giants team. Like, and I know they had a pass rush, but I mean, come on. Let's be honest. They were 14-point underdogs for a reason. And Spags held that offense and that undefeated Patriots team to 14 points. And now he's won multiple Super Bowls with them. I mean, he's, he's in my opinion, and, and again, I told you last night, the winning, the, the winning point of that game for me, where the Chiefs won the football game, was defensively coming out of, the ha- coming out of halftime. Because they put the ball, in, they get the field goal going into half, right? And they get those three points they desperately needed to get, a, to get the zero off the board. It's 10-3 going into the half. And you figure they're going to do what the Patriots have done forever. Score going in, score coming out. So they get the ball coming out, and not only do they not score, they throw the interception. And you go, that's the one moment in the game where you're like, oh, boy, Patrick Mahomes just came out and threw a pick off that. Like, I thought for sure they'd make the adjustment, go down the field, at least get another three, probably score a touchdown, and suddenly it'll be a tie game, and away we go. Like, that's how I felt. I thought the Niners had a, a pretty, you know, control of the game, but I thought that drive would be a problem for them. Instead, he throws the interception, which I thought was a turning point in the game, and I'm like, oh, geez, maybe he's human today. Maybe it's, today's not Patrick Mahomes' day. And that defense holds the three and out, and not only there, but to me, this is the stat, and this is the scenario that wins them the game. They come out of halftime down by a touchdown. And the and Kansas City, throw, like I said, throws the pick on the first drive. But that defense, the Kansas City defense did not allow a first down. Not a first down. That that Chiefs defense did not allow a first down until the, until the Chiefs were in the lead. They come out down a touchdown out of halftime, and the 49ers did not have a first down until they were down in the game. That is where it's forward possessions including the fumble kick, that's where the defense won the game. Because off of that interception, if the 49ers go down the field on a short field and put the ball in the end zone and it's 17-3, to that game's a completely different story. And not only do they keep them three and out there and not allow them to even kick a field goal, they do it for the next three drives, and the next time the 49ers get a first down, they're losing. That's where they won the game for me. And then the offense... After that touchdown, after the failed kick, that's where it picked up. And the game might not have turned around completely because the Niners did come back and take the lead, but the, but um, Mahomes and the offense turned around on that series. They get the ball in the end zone, and suddenly that offense was far better the rest of the game. That was the turning point for Kansas City's offense, was the fumble. Now, you could argue the missed kick, the, uh, the blocked extra point is just as important. Otherwise, the field goal doesn't tie the game. All true. That could be the turning point in the game, but the turning point of the offense, where now I feel like, oh, geez, now Mahomes in this offense is dangerous again. After a miserable first half where Kelsey has one reception and one yard, like it felt like after they put the ball in the end zone, after that fumble, suddenly the offense was moving. That's what finally got them into gear. You thought it might have been three points before the half. It wasn't. It was being able to get that easy touchdown on one play after the fumble, and then from that moment on, it felt like the 49ers weren't stopping them. And that's why I treat that overtime drive differently. I'm putting the ball in the end zone, especially if I get that close. I have to take a chance. And then the downside is 
He gets the ball right up against the end zone. Yes, he only has to go to the to get a field goal, and Buck, Buckter is ridiculously uh, great leg and extremely accurate, so you feel like they're going to make that kick. But at least I he, I know he's not going for it on fourth down, and I've got him up against the end zone. Like I, I'd rather take that chance that I hold him to not get 60 because to me, if he gets 60, he's getting 90. He's getting in the end zone. So I'd rather take that chance. But that's neither here nor there. I don't think there's any reason other than the fact that, yet again, Shanahan blew a lead. Like, there's really – maybe they got away from the run. He only, uh, McCaffrey did not touch the ball nearly enough in the third quarter for me. But other than some of that, like, I, I don't think he made any big-time blunder. He got beat by Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if you look at him, too, to be fair – we're going to kill him, and I get it. He's lost a big game. He's lost a huge lead, 28-3. to He's lost the Super Bowl twice now uh, with 10-point leads. But he's lost to Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes twice. He's lost to the two best winners of the generation. I mean, he's lost to the two best winners since Joe Montana. He's not losing to scrubs here. You know, Brad Johnson didn't step up and beat him here. Like, this was legitimately the best winners of the last 30 years that beat him three times. It's it's a it's a tough spot for him. I don't think he necessarily is the absolute cause for it. 877-337-6666. A little bit of breaking news for you Met fans, and I guess this will lead into our Met conversation as Stern's uh, did meet the media. I didn't see all of it, but uh, I got the gist on Alonzo. But it sounds like Susan Sussler, or or Susser, I think it's Sussler. I got to see it again. She is reporting, and obviously a reporter uh, in San Francisco covers the Giants. Extremely reliable. Uh, I really first got to know her name last year when the whole uh, you know uh, uh, judge, whether it be Aaron or Arson, was gonna was looking like we were they were gonna sign he was gonna sign with San Francisco, but Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle is reporting that Jorge Soler has agreed to a three year deal with the San Francisco Giants. That's what she's being told right now. So that would eliminate another bat of the Mets to try and add to this DA add to this DH role, and it's one many people thought was the best option. A little bit younger, power. Obviously, has had his moments in the postseason, uh, a proven performer, and now off the books. And it will be joining San Francisco, who desperately need to do something. I mean, the the Giants have been the last couple of off seasons, whether it's losing out on Correa, whether it's losing out on Judge, like they they're desperately no, looking for a star. And while this isn't it, at least it's doing something. And they've added a power bat. And the question is, what are the Mets going to do? And what it sounds like for sure is, I don't know, now there's really J.D. Martinez as the one, like, of the three, right? There was the three major options to to improve the DH spot, and it was uh, obviously J.D. Martinez who's still out there, uh, Soler, and the return of... and Turner. And now, obviously, Turner has signed, and... Now, obviously, it sounds like Soler is gone. So J.D. Martinez left. Are they going to do that? I don't know. And what I know they're not going to do is re-sign Pete Alonso in the, uh, in the regular season. It's going to hit free agency. And I'll tell you yet again why I don't think that is a bad idea. In fact, I think, I think it's exactly how the Mets should handle it. So it's not bad news for me, Mets fans. Soler might be. The Pete Alonso comment is not. 
When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Nix makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary on the final play of the half. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. You know, before we get to the the Mets, let's let's take a couple calls here as we get to the top of the hour. Uh, I see Michael and Little Ferry. What's up, Mike? Hey, how's it going, Chris? Oh, it's going wonderful. How are you? Good man. Good. How's the how's the uh, what's the weather like in Little Ferry? Can you look out a window um, and tell me if it's snowing? <laughs> no, it's not really snowing. It's a little bit of like light. Rain right now. Okay. It's not really doing anything right now. All right, because if if anything happens on the road, my wife may divorce me because she was very unhappy. <laughs> she was very unhappy yeah. with me leaving the house today. Yeah, I mean, just, just be careful when when you're I driving. I know, I got to be careful. Because, yeah, it's gonna probably start close to five in the morning with the snow. Well, that's so. what I'm, I'm hoping it's like right around there because that's when I'll be leaving. I'm gonna jump in my car and get the hell out of here. Yep, smart move. Smart move. Yep. All, All right, right. So, so what do we got? Real quick. Yes. All right. So real quick, just want to get your opinion. So the the play in the game when uh, Travis Kelsey kind of like pushed Andy Reid or he bumped into him. Yes, like it was after the fumble of Pacheco. Correct. Now, could do you imagine like Rob Gronkowski doing that to Bill Belichick? Like he like would have yeah. been since the rest of the game. Um. Again, I think they have a different relationship than maybe your. I think Andy Reid provides a, an ability to have a different relationship with him than Bill Belichick provides. I, okay. I I think that the that Kelsey and him again. I said this the other. I said this yesterday. I did see a video. Uh, they were doing like I think it was during it was either the, during the Kelsey interview or the Andy Reid interview they did before the Super Bowl, and they would show in B B roll and different things. And there was something where Kelsey had his head down, and they were walking off the field, and Andy Reid like laid a big shoulder into him, and almost like even sent Casey uh, Kelsey flying a little bit. Like I think they have that relationship a little bit, but. Okay. But I, I would say that he was just trying to get his attention. And the way Andy Reid handled it after the game. Now, look, here's what I'll say about it. I think it's 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 really aggressive. And there's no reason to be that heated in the situation. Uh, that's that's a loss of control. You don't ever put your hands on your coach. Uh, in Correct, that moment, yeah. as, as that hot as he is, it seems a bit much to me. Now, again, it, it depends on how a- Andy Reid after the game. Now, because they won and because he probably doesn't want to make a big story out of it, you know, he downplayed it and he said, yeah, you know, he caught me off balance, which I do agree with. I don't think the actual contact was that bad. I think it completely caught Andy Reid off guard, and so he, sure. he lost his balance a little bit. But let's be fair. Andy Reid, at, at, and let's be fair, and this is coming from someone who's, you know, a large man, um, an overweight guy. Like, if he, <laughs> in, his, in his age and his health and his weight, like, if he toppled over, it'd be a big story. It, oh, it'd, totally, be, yeah. it'd be much bigger. And so this is what I'll say about it. It's a, it's too much. It's egregious. Uh, you should never be that animated or put your hands on your head coach or any coach or anyone on the on your sideline. It's it's about as aggressive as I've ever seen anyone. And I get I get the the different people in the world who have had issues, um, you know, on and off the field and issues with teammates and issues with certain situations like. Antonio Brown tweeting out that if that were him, he'd be kicked out of the league or things like that, where they feel like, 
you know, guys like Kelsey are going to get away with something where other people wouldn't get away with it. Now it's just a matter of the coach and how he feels about it. Sure. You know, I mean, and and I think that's the main thing. I don't think, listen, I, I don't think it's assault or anything. I think it's aggressive. And I think if Andy Reid was in no mood for it or Andy Reid thought it was aggressive, then, you know, then it'd be a problem. Now, should the league do something about it? I don't know. But it was, you, you shouldn't do it. Like, I watched it, and, and tell you the truth, I was shocked that Romo and Nance didn't say anything about it. I mean, well, I mean, they did reference it, but they didn't say, like, oh, my God. Kelsey just shoved Andy Reid. They were talking about, oh, yeah, he's a little frustrated. Yeah, clearly, he shoved him and grabbed him by the arm and screamed in his face and had to be held back. And then you can see Andy Reid kind of, like, goes to grab his arm and talk to him. And, you know, it's a bit much. It's It's really, it's a lot. You should never, I mean, it's about, I can't ever remember a coach or, you know, being approached by a player frustrated for whatever reason, whether it's he didn't play, whether he hated the play call, whether he was off the field for that one play and the guy missed the block or whatever the case may be. You don't grab your coach. It was embarrassing. I'm watching it live. I was like, oh, this is going to be a story. It's ended up not being that big of a story because of the heroics at the end of the game and and all the talk around the scenario. If that was a ho-hum, boring-ass you know, 21 to 10 victory for San Francisco, that's a much bigger story. But instead, it's an overtime, and we're dealing with who decided to kick the ball, receive the ball. Should they have done this? Should they have done that? Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, they're great. Kelsey and, and Taylor Swift embracing on the partying. And I did see one video that's just completely hilarious. I did see there's one video of them after the, the game partying, and it's like a, a handheld phone camera. And they're they have an angle of of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift dancing to a techno version of uh, Romeo and Juliet, the song from Taylor Swift. And they're dancing and they're kissing and they're like you know kind of slow dancing to even though it's an upbeat song. They're, you know, it's a nice little moment of them hugging, embracing, even gave each other a smooch. They're dancing around friends, and then the camera pans to the DJ, and there's his brother Jason with a. You know the the Nacho Libre or you know the the uh, the Mexican wrestler mask on his head, you know a, a Chiefs Mexican mask on his head, a wrestling mask on his head, just absolutely going nuts. And it was just like the dichotomy of brand new love and a married man looking for a night out. <laughs> it was just it was it was very funny. It was like the two the two different sides of every man that 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 dichotomy that Jekyll and Hyde is in all of us where we want the quiet moment with our our lady of choice or our person of choice and just to be there and embrace and slow dance and have that romantic side to us and you know want to just you know cuddle and enjoy that moment and then the wild man in the mask chugging beers going nuts it's like we are both of them we are both Kelsey's Deep inside us, we have both Kelsey's and we're possible of both in that moment. It was like the dual dichotomy of what a man, of what we are all inside. Yeah, sometimes you just want to Netflix and chill. Sometimes you just want to cuddle and slow dance and tell the woman you love how much you love her. And then other times you want her as far away from you as possible and you want to be with the guys wearing a mask, going nuts at the club, chugging beer, wearing, you know, red and yellow overalls. There's, there's, you know, there's two different sides of every man except Marco. Marco doesn't have that second side. Marco just wants to relax, do nothing at home. He doesn't go out to dinner. He doesn't have wedge salads. He doesn't party like that. It's a, you know, he eats a lot of arugula 
And that's really all he wants to do. There's He's only the, the Travis Kelsey. He's not the Jason Kelsey. That's okay, though. Nothing wrong with it. I was talking about one video mm. that I saw of them partying in the post game, And it's like a handheld camera, and they start on Kelsey and on uh, Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, and they're like kind of slow dancing, dancing, kissing, you know, embracing each other. And then it slow pans to the right, and behind the DJ booth is Jason Kelsey wearing like a, a Mexican wrestler mask, just going absolutely nuts. And I'm like, it's the perfect example of like the two sides of every man. We're both those Kelsey brothers all in one. Like in moments we want to be Travis, just hanging out with our girl or whoever mm-hmm. and enjoying mm-hmm. that moment like that. And then sometimes we want them a million miles away and just to be the absolute monster. So I was like, that's the the new love and married for years where you're just like, get the hell out of here. I'm going to go nuts tonight because my brother or whatever, we just won the Super Bowl. And I was like, it's funny that it's so literally like the Dr. And Jekyll and Mr. Hyde part of all of us was on display in that one video I saw on the internet. And then I realized when you walked in that there's, you know, there's no doc, there's no Mr. Hyde. What's up, Doc? That's it. That's all you got. All you got is the Jekyll. Margo is so committed to working that he came in to work during the I Super know. Bowl last I, I, I know. He works Sundays. I know. Listen, mm-hmm. I worked from, I, I, I think it's okay to say this. I don't know if it's kayfabing. I don't know if it's a wrestling term. No, I'm I was, aware. Thank you. I was, oh, you are aware of kayfabe. Okay. Yes, yes, I, I was home last night because the game ends late and I want to watch all the, I don't have to be in the car. No, don't, don't, don't do the explain. You're lazy. Yeah. Move on. That's not entirely true, but not, I could I, I could have easily been home tonight. It's supposed to snow tomorrow morning if I was lazy, but I'm, my fat ass is right here. But yeah, so I turned it on at, at one o'clock or whatever, or even two o'clock and I hear you and I'm like. What is this poor bastard doing there? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Why are you there? Mm-hmm. You don't. T- that's a Sunday mm-hmm. for you, not a Monday. Correct. That is what, a day off. What, what, yeah, what were you doing there? I'm a big guy and dummy is what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. On the, so so you there. watched the Super Bowl here in the... Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Oh, in my little closet. In between updates. Yeah, that sucks. It's it, Look, all in all... I mean, I've done it. It's worse. Yeah. I, and this one wasn't awful. Yeah. It just would have been... I watched every Super Bowl here for like 10 years. Yeah. And then I got... Should not do that last year. So it would have been cool to, you know, yeah, keep the string that. going. Yeah. But yeah. Sometimes the bad signal goes up late yeah. in the day and you know, the worst one I I was running the board for the Giant broadcast when they won their second Super Bowl in twenty twelve. This that that February or whatever. That, and so I was literally in here running this is the worst Super Bowl experience of my life. Yeah. For the for the for the little money I don't want the Giants are uh-huh. fair, everything's great. Uh-huh. But like for what I was making to sit in that room right in there watching it on that little TV, hearing Bob Papa's call nine seconds before I watched it on television. For a Giants fan to sit in that chair, and that's how I experienced that Super Bowl. I mean, thankfully, they won the game. It makes it a little bit better, but that sucked. Uh, I will say this. That was the last Super Bowl that I had watched without working until last year. Okay. And that was because I got asked to do that shift. Yeah. And my answer was no. Look at that. You. I'm sorry. Like that that I was there were, we were crossing a line. It was a different yeah. job, but it was still radio and we had one of those little like if you remember those those tiny I don't know if it was like eight inches or whatever it was. You could put it like on your bedroom stand and watch it in your you know, laying down in the bed. It was like a little portable TV. Okay, sure. That's what we had in the studio. And all I ran through my head when I was, can you work this? You know, you'd really be helping me out. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to watch the Giants play the Patriots. It was color TV, yeah. luckily. Yeah. I'm like an eight-inch thing, and I'm going to have yeah. to do updates. The whole day. I was like, no. I'm going to pass. Yeah. I'm going to pass. Thank you, but I'm going to pass. Yeah. No, that's brutal. But, yeah, so mine, and I felt like, I, I, 
Like, I was with them all year. It's weird to just say, listen, I think someone else can run the board for the Super Bowl. Not a big deal. But like, I'm stuck. There was nothing I could have done. Nothing. And that was miserable. I was also here for when the Yankees won the World Series. That sucked, too. Should have should have taken off that night, too. But you didn't know. I don't want to jinx it. It was game six. I take off. Suddenly they lose. Now I'm kicking myself because yeah. I like I jinxed it by not no, wanting to be here. I don't think it was here. the jinx, but I, I I can understand it too. You weren't here that long either at that point. Well, so like, I, I was here. Yeah, I was here two years or whatever. Yeah, yeah I no, I get it. Now I don't know if I told you in '96 yeah. I was working in a supermarket. I'm 18 years old, right. and I was scheduled to work to 10 o'clock and for Game Six. And I literally said to them, like, look, this is not going to happen. So we got to figure this out. Yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm not going to work till 10. The game's, you know, yeah. the game's on. I'm not going to miss the Yankees in the World Series. At the time, yeah. I may never see this again. That's Those were my words. Because right. what did I know? Is my whole life, they sucked. Right. And they were like, well, you're going to have to come in. I was like, well, we're going to figure something out. And they're like, so what's the alternative? I said, I'll quit. I'll find a job. Right. I mean, really, I'm 18 years old working in a supermarket. Yeah. You're paying me minimum wage. You right. think I'm really going to be here for game six of the Yankees World Series? Like, yeah. See, I, so I understand your plight. You can't yeah. do that if you're mm-hmm. working here. You actually wanted this job. Yeah. No, now, I wanted to work in there 10 right. years, but I didn't I, want that I, job. I, 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 regret, I lost a job over This is really pathetic. It's not even anything as good as that. I just didn't want to work New Year's Eve. I was working at a catering hall. I was like 17 years old, and they were like, you have to work New Year's Eve. I'm like, ah, no. Like, well, <laughs> then then you're fired. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm fired then. Like, yeah. And I think back on it. I was like, New Year's Eve sucks. It's like so overrated. I'm like, At I can't that age, believe it I, doesn't. Yeah, just I just I was like, I'm not working on New Year's Eve. Absolutely not. But see, I got I got to find someone dopey enough to maybe maybe kiss me on when the ball drops. Which that's the thing. I At that did. age, you gotta you gotta give it a shot. Yeah. Now I got lucky. There was a guy that I worked with. I was only there for six months. He was like, I'll take your shift. We'll switch. You get out of here at six. You can go watch the game. Look at that. Uh, so that's why I stayed there for ten years. Otherwise, that would have been my last day. Because there was no chance. No, no chance. Absolutely. Screw, screw them. And I, if, let's be fair. If the Giants were playing in the Super Bowl last night, I wouldn't have came in. I'm not going to deny right. that. Right. I'm not going to deny that. Right. Bad signal would have went up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. My answer yeah. would have been no. no I might have taken off the next day. How, do you think they would have frowned upon that? Like if I said, nah, I'm well, not, I'm not hosting. Well, now you're the big overnight host. So now you're, yeah, you're, you're well, the, the Kingfish. you got a contract. you got days. Yeah, you can well, take them. True. you I got do. days. And i got a P, I got a uh, PD who's on his way out. Well, what if I so what if I piss him off, right? On his way out. Come on. <laughs> You're saying he's not fully focused? I've refused to I believe think that. he's physically here. <laughs> All right. 877 <laughs> When you start knocking the bosses, that's when it's time to change, you know, change the subject. 877-337-6666. Two hours down, three more to go on our five-hour midnight ride to the warm-up show. McMonagle here with you. Continue to take your phone calls. Nick's Football, but we will transition a little bit. There is seems to be it's not done deal necessarily, but Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle reporting Solaire will sign with the Giants. One more piece that could have been a Met, could have helped in the DH spot is now gone. What are they doing? And what are they doing with Pete Alonso?